Welcome. We've got a really exciting interview that we're going to bring to you today. Um, we've got Bo Han, who's the CEO and founder of Buzzer with us. So really exciting. Bo, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. Uh, thank you both for uh, having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being here. Um, it's so cool. It's so crazy. You know, we, we saw this platform really, uh, I guess, kind of late last year. And we thought about this for a while, right? I know you've worked at Twitter for a little bit. So I kind of want to go back to that time a little bit, if we can, and kind of talk about um, how some of those kind of rights came into, into play, right? Talking like NFL, NBA. And then obviously, I guess that kind of springboarded you into what you've kind of created here with Buzzer. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's 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 talk about how I got here in the first place. Uh, you sure. guys tweeted about something. I answered your tweet, and then we slid into <laughs> each other's DMs, and now here we are, right? Hey, so, 2021, um, sliding in DMs. That's the way, that's yeah, the way it works. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I've 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 hired uh, a lot of folks in the DMs. So, um, and and then those folks make it aware, make everyone aware that I hired them through the DMs. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, now my DMs are a mess because. Um, I mean, thankfully, um, but, um, you know, as you mentioned, um, I, I spent seven years at Twitter and the last four out of the seven years I led our um, live content group, specifically focusing on the acquisition of uh, live sports and entertainment rights. Um, so this started in 2016, where we acquired the rights of 10 NFL football games on our platform. Um, and then we quickly moved over to the MLB, NHL, NBA, WNBA in that order. Um, was very fortunate to work on over 120 live, uh, you know, rights and content deals throughout that four-year time frame. Um, and the consumer insight was always the same. Mm -hmm. um, when when uh, exciting moments happen live uh, during a game, you'll find it trending on Twitter, right? And um, you know, if you're watching the game, amazing. You know, it's Twitter is that quintessential second screen uh, experience. Um, you know, my friend uh, TJ Adeshola, who's the head of sports over there, uh, describes it as the roar of the crowd or uh, the world's largest uh, sports bar. Right. And I've always wondered, man, you're in the sports bar, you can hear the roars, but what if you can't see the TV, right? And so um, these moments are trending uh, on Twitter. And again, if you're watching the game, amazing. That's what we call NBA Twitter. But if you're yeah. not, you have this momentary panic of FOMO of where's the nearest TV or sports bar? What channel is it on? What subscription is it part of? By the time you figure all that out, it's done, right? And so you, you find all these lightning in a bottle, live and ephemeral moments that are the most exciting you know, parts of the game that if you just make people aware of it, you know, will people tune in, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is the just very uh, simple um, consumer insight I saw over and over again throughout, throughout my time at Twitter. Um, that's why, you know, when people ask us what we're building, uh, I simply ask we're building uh, the last mile technology for live and ephemeral moments in sports. Um, because again, I had that front row seat of when that moment is done, when the final whistle is blown, it's a clip or highlight on Twitter. You know, I'm asking you both, like, how many times did you see the, uh, you know, Drew Holiday steal lob up to Giannis after that moment happened? Like, how many times did you see that video, right? You, you've seen it, yeah. you know, probably 10, 15 you, times. You yeah, I was going to say probably then, 15, 20 times. Yeah. And then, yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, for us, it's how do we capture that magic before that happens? How right. do we alert? a mass audience that, hey, like this exciting moment is happening now. 
catch it before it becomes a highlight or a clip. Um, we can talk a little bit more about why that matters, but that was the uh, primary uh, consumer insight that I had a front row seat into uh, to, uh, during my time at uh, Twitter. Yeah, I you know I thought about this. Do you remember Russell Westbrook going crazy with all the triple doubles and everything like that? Mm-hmm. And it felt like every night, to your point, NBA Twitter is such it's it's this awesome kind of ecosystem, and everyone's you know chiming in, and it's you know just a really cool conversation. Th- that's that's kind of the first time I thought about this, and especially, and, and I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on just like where streaming and and kind of live sports are. But like that was the first point when I was like, man, it'd be so cool if I had something like this where it just notified me that Russell Westbrook is doing something crazy tonight, right? Or yeah. you know, whatever sport it is, I, that's the first time I really thought about this. Um, yeah, could you talk about where sports today is from just a live programming perspective? And just, I, I, it's so tough because, you know, I just tried to log in and watch the Olympics, right? And I had to sign mm-hmm. in through like three different things just to mm-hmm. watch the opening ceremonies, right? So w- where do you see kind of the landscape and everything with, with live sports? Absolutely. I mean, it's worth noting the Russell Westbrook, you know, historic season, that game where he actually passed Oscar Robinson for the career triple double mm-hmm. was on NBA TV, you know, and so you yeah. needed that subscription to watch that moment itself, right? It bums me out, you know, a little bit, you know, as, yeah. as much as I'm a subscriber of NBA TV, you know, it requires a very specific access, right? But to answer your question, there are you know, three broad macros that are happening in our industry. Um, one is the fragmentation of sports rights that are really not shaped around a sports fan and their interests because, the, you know, the average sports fan watches multiple sports and it's very wide ranging, right? And so, uh, for example, if you want to watch EPL, uh, Wimbledon and the Masters, you need NBC or Peacock, CBS or Paramount Plus or ESPN, right? <laughs> Which means that you need a cable bundle or a standalone subscription to all three different services, right? And so, um, you know, it, it, we we have we're in a market where we see so many of these amazing but and beautiful walled gardens, and yet there is really no horizontal experience that really um, satisfies a consumer, specifically a sports fan, in their interest in what they want to watch. So we we see the further fragmentation of sports rights happening. Um, second is. Um, there's a generational gap when it comes to consumption of live sports. Um, you have the older generation that are still consuming live long form that's optimized for linear television. And then you have the younger generation, uh, most specifically Gen Z and younger millennials. I call them the overtime or house of highlights generation, right? Yeah. Um, you know, these, uh, this generation is consuming highlights and clips um, near live, not live, but near live that's optimized for TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram. And the issue here is that your most valuable IP, if you're a rights holder, is, is live IP. And yet you see this consumption gap when it comes to generational uh, consumption of live sports, right? And so, um, so that's kind of the second trend that we're all seeing. And then third, uh, you know, this is not, a, um, not new to anyone, but it's the bundling and unbundling of media. Right, mm-hmm. we're in this unbundled stage, uh, as I noted in the first point. So, even if you don't have uh, cable or pay TV, you're sitting on ESPN Plus, Paramount Plus, Peacock, Hulu, ESPN, or uh, Netflix, uh, HBO, and so forth. So now you have five, six, seven. I think I read per Nielsen that the average household has seven point six two subscriptions. 
I don't know what the six two is coming from, but right. you know, um, which means that you have seven different subscriptions that you're staring at at your connected TV, and now you need to figure out, you know, um, if I were to ask you where to find, um, you know, where to find Ted Lasso, it's not a sports problem, but um, if, if I were to ask you where to find Ted Lasso, uh, you would have no, you know, if you weren't familiar with the first season, you would have no idea where to find it, right? And so. Um, it's a discovery issue. It's a curation issue, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's it's a real discovery and curation issue, right? And so, um, you know, how do we kind of look at uh, those three macros or trends and intentionally and thoughtfully build products that really satisfy those uh, trends that were or gaps that we're seeing? So, you know, it, it kind of leads to what we're building at Buzzer. Uh, we're building three products to start. One is. Uh, micro payments, meaning pay for content that you want to watch and what you want to watch only. We find that the current marketplace is pretty ca- crowded with subscription products, as we all see. Um, consumers are starting to be a little bit fatigued by subscription products because there are so many of them, right? Um, also, it's very hard to find what content is playing where, right? And so mm-hmm. people are finding that is there, you know, innate value in these subscriptions if there is no curation of discovery. So. Um, so we want to create a, a product that does not compete with subscriptions, but really accommodates it, right? Um, we at Buzzer like to think, and our po- hypothesis is that micropayments over time should justify the economics of the subscription. It's just mm-hmm. that we're targeting an audience that wouldn't normally uh, jump over a six, seven, or eight dollar paywall, you know, from the jump, right? Um, second is is interest-based hyper-personalized mobile notifications. So simply put, you tell us what you're interested in and we'll let you know when those interesting moments happen. We can all agree that the type of sports fan is evolving quite a bit, right? Where, um, you know, fandoms were, you know, previously passed down by generations, but we live in an era where we see a Red Sox Mookie Betts jersey becoming a Dodger Mookie Betts jersey as sacrilegious as it is because you know, kids these days are Mookie Betts fans over Red Sox fans or Dodger fans. Do what you will with that, but that's the trend right now, right? And so uh, we want to understand who you follow on social. So, um, you know, so connect your Twitter or an Instagram account and based off of who you follow, we'll trigger alerts for you. Or you can go in explicitly and say, hey, I'm Taylor, I'm interested in NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, WNBA. Here mm-hmm. are my teams, here are my players. Later on, here's my fantasy roster or my bet slips. So alert me when my bet slips or fantasy roster matters. Or you can just simply say, hey, I'm from the Atlanta metro area. Alert me when Atlanta sports are playing, right? Mm-hmm. And then third is what we're calling a unified authentication product. And what that just simply means is you tell us what you currently subscribe to and authenticate those subscriptions with us. And if the live look-in falls within the rights that you already pay for, it's free. If not, then you pay the micropayment, right? And so right. this is where we can be a utility tool in terms of curation, discoverability, and enabling, you know, Sterling to really tap into his existing, you know, subscription and right. creating new value, right? Because we're creating these moments that are discoverable, but also curated for you and your interests. So just encapsulating all that for the listeners out there, what you're doing is you're bringing these moments, these games to 
the, I mean, like you're saying, you're, you're solving a problem for like the Gen Z community, those that <laughs> have the phone, if you're cord cutting, but making sure that there's no, hey, put it this way, you know, FOMO, like you, like you were saying, as uh, Twitter trendings, you know, start popping up and then all, all of a sudden you've missed it. So you're bringing these moments that everybody doesn't miss it. And then obviously, like you're saying, it's a mutually beneficial partnership between you and current um, providers. And mm -hmm. I, I really like that, the, th the third point that you said. So, um, I love the product. First off, I don't know uh, how Thank many, you. you know, I, I always have something Thank where <laughs> I had, there's like a big brain moment. That's my big brain mm -hmm. moment alert. And I think you've had the foresight. I don't know if any, anybody else has kind of brought this out and said this to you, but do you know that you're kind of on the way to rewrite how Nielsen ratings and, and things of that such <laughs> are, are collected uh, with the data that you're going to be able to have? Because like you're saying with, uh, game seven of a finals and you get that alert and you're like, oh, all right, it's the fourth quarter and I've been missing it. Now you're tapped in, say the first three quarters, the ratings, quote unquote, in the traditional aspect um, or, you know, whatever, five or four, whatever, but they're not, they're not the highest. And all of a sudden you have that high spike at the tail end. You're collecting data that hasn't been seen before. And so now you have, you're in a new era. So have you, have you already thought about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to ignore all the headlines saying how ratings are in the decline, right? Yeah. And um, one of the things that I learned very early on throughout my time at Twitter is how do we become incredibly partner-minded? How, how do we think about the broader ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. and, and not disrupt, but complement. How do we advance the broader ecosystem together? Because um, if we really capture that Gen Z and younger millennial audience live, Mm -hmm. everyone wins, right? Exactly. That makes the ecosystem healthier. That makes the long-term value of these live sports rights more valuable because mm -hmm. there is a future audience that will consume it. Maybe not in the way that we are used to, which is sitting in front of a television for three, four, five hours, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think all of us came from a childhood where we're right in front of uh, the television watching SportsCenter about three times. And by the <laughs> By the third time, we can recite the entire show, right? Like yeah. that is our childhood. That's how we consumed, you know, recap content, right? But mm -hmm. but now you're seeing, you're consuming that via House of Highlights or Overtime on an Instagram channel, right? And mm -hmm. so you can clearly see the evolution of how media consumption is really done, right? And so, again, as I pointed out before, it's just kind of noticing the gaps and knowing how to fill it and how to be a partner with the, with, um, the leagues, the networks, the distributors, OTT and SVOD partners. And to your point about Nielsen ratings, we want to make sure that we're going after an incremental audience, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, you know, and, and folks ask, you know, how do you guarantee incrementality? And I say, well, they're paying for it. You know, if they have access to it, then, you know, they're, they're going to watch it, but if they don't have access to it and they pay for it, then you, that's where you can actually guarantee that it's an incremental audience. Plus, it's an opportunity to uh, drive incremental revenue at that as well, right? And so to your point, it'll be very interesting to see the data. Um, we've already seen, uh, we're in early access of our product and mm -hmm. we've seen some very promising data around how the average demo is significantly younger than uh, the you know average age that's reported by Nielsen. And so, um, you know, it, it's all the, you know, trends are kind of uh, trending towards the, uh, the right direction. It's, but it's all about for us to be remaining focused on the three products and incredibly disciplined uh, in terms of how we roll it out, but really right. um, optimizing and focusing on uh, the core 
uh, user experience and to make sure that um, every user that we bring on uh, feels, um, you know, significant value on our platform. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's a major thing in, in today's age. I mean, you go out to, even if you're out at, the, out at a bar, you might still see somebody, you know, watching the game on their phone or just you're, you're, you're constantly checking thing and the way generations are going. I mean, if you, you see, you know, folks in, in our age group with, with uh, mm-hmm. young kids, they're already on iPads and, and understanding yeah. how to use that. You see the stories where, oh, my kid bought like $500 worth of, uh, you know, in-game purchases on, on, uh, on an app unbeknownst to them. But yeah. that's just the trend that everybody's going in. So I kind of want to give a little background, you know. So you're you're a Cornell and Columbia grad. You you've you've uh, you started off in Microsoft, and then obviously you ended up at Twitter. Was it always kind of a yearning that you you saw a bigger picture that something was missing within the tech industry that you were always searching for, or is it just like you said along the way once you got into Twitter, you're like all this, all you saw all the analytics, and all the data, like oh this is a huge gap that we can kind of take advantage of and get ahead of, you know, get ahead of the storm, so to speak. Absolutely. I mean, I um, take a step back, you know, I'm a product of immigrants. You know, I was born in Korea, uh, came here when I was three years old with a few hundred bucks and nine bags. Uh, My Mm -hmm. parents came here with a big dream. And, and so for us, it's, it's always been just kind of figure things out as we go. Right. Mm -hmm. And, with Cornell, I studied history, knew nothing about the business world, the technology world. Um, that's why I pursued an MBA at Columbia while I was uh, still working at Microsoft and later Twitter, uh, because I really did want to um, really educate myself, but also arm myself with just a very general business knowledge about how things work. Um, in terms of just the gap itself, to be honest, it, it had nothing to do with a product and more about how do we build a company the right way, the intentional way and a meaningful way with mm-hmm. culture at the center. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of my broader aspirations beyond just the buzzer product itself, I think the most important bit is how do we create the new blueprint for the next generation of founders and entrepreneurs that we can really drive the notion where wins and values are not mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, we live in a world where we deify individuals, you know, mm-hmm. especially in the technology industry. Right. And these individuals fit a certain mold, right? And a lot of times they look nothing like us, um, mm-hmm. you know, you and I, right? And so um, I, I think one of the biggest drivers for me is I want other folks to look at me. And this is why I'm uh, very vocal about being an immigrant and being a Korean American at that, because. I want other younger Korean Americans and Koreans and Asian Americans and folks of color to look at me and say, Hey, if Bo can do it, I can do it. Right. Um, And I think the approachability and being real and vulnerable is really important because I think that journey has been really lost in in this notion of flex on the gram or on your tweets. Right. (laughs) That's a hundred percent. Yeah. That is so true. And so for me, it's just like, you know, I'm, you know, throughout this year, this past eight, uh, year and a half, I got married. Uh, we eloped in the backyard of a, uh, of a house and our parents zoomed in. Congratulations. Um, start, yeah, thank congrats. you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And, and second is um, started a company and not only any company, but starting a company during a time of a global health crisis and pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and also more more importantly and just as importantly a social and racial reckoning in this country right, right. and um when we when i first uh, started off buzzer uh in january in march we all know um george floyd murder happened uh brianna taylor happened Ahmaud arbery happened and all these unfortunate situations that really happened and, and it was a you know deeper re reflection of how deeply rooted injustice is in this country right mm -hmm. and um i really brought it upon myself to really think about, okay, I am not going to abuse the platform that I've been incredibly fortunate and blessed with. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I was very fortunate to raise a $4 million seed round during the heart of a pandemic, during a racial reckoning, right? And so there is a right and wrong way to deploy that uh, capital, but also right. that platform. Right. And one of the things that I pride myself and a pride, we at Buzzer pride ourselves on is that our first product that we pushed out had nothing to do with sports and had everything to do with community. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned, right after George Floyd's murder, um, I, I started to think about how do I create small but tangible impact in leveling the uneven playing field that we all live in, right? And when you're thinking about injustice in our country, there are, you know, injustice translates in very visible ways but it also translates in unseen ways, right? You know, namely access, access to business opportunities, internships, job opportunities, mentorship. And so one of the things that I just kind of simply thought to do is I wanted to create an internship opportunity with the capital that we raised. So I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on four uh, interns um, and focus on HBCUs. And, and so I sent out a tweet saying, hey, if you're a college student that left, lost an inter internship due to the pandemic, DM me. But if you're a college student that goes to an HBCU, please DM me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I put the emphasis on the second bit. Um, I woke up the next day after I sent that tweet out with over 500 DMs with resumes. Oh, wow. Right? And uh, we hired four college students from that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it didn't sit right that the other, you know, 500 plus, I just left hanging. So we, we flipped it into a summer internship, uh, pro, uh, mentorship program. And so we called it Strive. And, um, you know, and I asked a few uh, of my friends within the industry, within the media, sports and entertainment industry, if they were willing to be a mentor this summer. And absolutely everyone said yes. And, I, you know, I woke up, you know, or, or three days later, I looked at the Google sign-up sheet and that we had over 500 mentors. We actually had more mentors than mentees at that point, right? That's and, amazing. Yeah, and just kind of the stories that come out from that, the job opportunities, the internships to amount to that. You know, one of my favorite stories is our, our Strive application. Uh, I had a question that said, what's your dream job? And a uh, junior uh, marketing student at Morehouse said, my dream job is to become GM of a baseball team someday, right? And I was like, easy. One of my good buddies from business school is the GM of the San Francisco Giants. So mm. I connected that student with my, my friend Scott and um, they spent the summer together. And now he is, uh, that student is now interning for uh, the GM of the Atlanta Braves, right? And so you see these personal connections yet small, but they get so impactful. Mm -hmm. And if we can create these meaningful connections and scale that, you know, that does its part of leveling this uneven playing field. Because the fact of the matter is, is are we set up in a society where that 
junior Morehouse student has right. have access to the GM of the San Francisco Giants? Probably right. not, right. right? And so, um, so I mean, why the long-winded answer? Because at the end of the day, Buzzer is a community product. Sports is a community product. Um, sports by nature unifies. It brings people together. It, it creates a level playing field. Uh, it's the ultimate equalizer, right? Mm -hmm. um, what Buzzer, what we are doing is we're merely utilizing data to identify moments to bring people together, right? Mm -hmm. And so we at our core and our mission, if we do not reflect those community values, I don't care how great of a technology product you build that right. is very consumer and sports fan friendly, right. it will ring unauthentic, right? And so that has prompted us to uh, restructure our uh, cap table and our business model. So 1% of our cap table, regardless of our future raises, uh, will never be diluted. And it's dedicated towards advancing communities of color, specifically the black community, Latinx community, and the AAPI community. We're also dedicating 1% of our net profits towards that. And then later on, we're also including, uh, we're encouraging our users to round up their micropayments uh, to donate to those efforts as well. Why is that important? Because that's who we are from the foundation. We can't right. change who we are later on. And that has really helped us attract the right talent mm -hmm. and the right investor set. Because I don't care what other you know technology companies say, um, you know, your future teammates and your future in investors choose you first, mm -hmm. right? And so they choose you for what you believe and what you represent. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, so that is my broader aspiration of becoming that blueprint. And if we can show the world that it works, that we can be successful, um, or even more successful, you'll spur you know, a major like, change. Yeah, you, you know, you, you'll have a, a lot more people uh, like myself, uh, even mm -hmm. people who are a lot, lot smarter and better than I am, uh, making very impactful change. Because all we need to show the next generation is that it works. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think I'm I'm all about ecosystem and trying to connect people. Um, I think that's such a big part of it. I remember when I really kind of got in more to the world of sports technology when I started looking at numbers, right? Funding at that time, I think this was 2018, right? Less than 1% of the total funding out there within the venture world went to uh, people of color right at mm -hmm. that time. And then it was even less within the sports technology world. So it's just, it's one of those things that uh, is near and dear to my heart. I'm actually wearing the sweatshirt of open Mondays, which is mm -hmm. kind of the golf not-for-profit that I do. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing that you just talked about that in the way that you did and the passion that you did uh, around what you're trying to build. Cause it is, it's more than like Taylor kind of said, and, and you know, I, I, I've been using your platform. It's awesome, right? I think it's super cool. Thank but you. to your point, when you're able to build out something that's even more meaningful and to kind of be kind of that, that like, it's always interesting, right? To, the beacon on the hill, right? Of, of yourself, mm -hmm. just kind of uh, showing that, that you can also do it, uh, which is super cool. So, and the level uh, yeah. of accountability yeah. is high, right? Especially during this climate, during this time, right? The stakes mm -hmm. are higher, right? Yeah. And, and I encourage that accountability because that makes me better. Right. And the one last comment I will, I will make around just, you know, our commitment to DEI, it needs to be reflected in all aspects of your company mm -hmm. from your investors to your board, to your leadership team, to your team. Right. Yeah. And um, as well as, you know, the, the great work that you do in your community. And uh, those are things that I'm, you know, that we are actively working on. I'm very transparent about our, uh, you know, our, you know, makeup of our team 
our leadership team, as well as our board, um, because it's really important. And it's really not just a lip service of diversity matters, inclusion matters, or equality matters. It's more around how do we use Buzzer as a vehicle to drive equitable and inclusive outcomes, Mm -hmm. right? And we just happen to use the tool of sports as that, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm a firm believer that if you can really nail that, the users will come, you know, uh, you know, because they, all of us, especially during the time, seek community, right? You know, we seek for these moments or these ecosystems or these spaces for us to feel safe and for us to bring our entire selves to. So, um, you know, it's very, um, you know, abstract and philosophical, but I'm a firm believer of you got to nail, you know, why you need to exist. And if you do, then people will buy into what you're uh, building. No, and I know you said it was a long-winded answer, but um, mm. that it wasn't long-winded, and 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 we wanted to let you just you know have that und, uh, undisturbed moment just to let you uh, get, you know get that explanation out because, like you're saying from from the top down, um, and I like you just pointed also with your investors, and you've had a very diverse group of investors as well uh, recently mm-hmm. with some with some major names. And we haven't even talked about the, the that influx of mm-hmm. influx of money into into your organization, but I think that's amazing from what you're trying to accomplish in the root of your company and the goals that you are striving to achieve. And like you're saying, the the access that a lot of kids don't have when it just comes mm-hmm. to connections. And and right. we've seen it. Uh, my brother and I played at a high level um, for athletics and then also mm. into the business world. And that gets, it gets smaller and smaller for the group of people that, you know, but their outreach becomes exponentially greater, uh, with mm-hmm. you know, all the touches that they can reach. So I, I, I think that's amazing for what you have, um, you know, as the core foundation for your company. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, as you noted, like we just, um, you know, two weeks ago, we announced our series A, and we have been extremely fortunate uh, to have the caliber investors that we've been able to uh, really uh, work with. And it comes down, again, it comes back to the notion of your investors choose you for right. who you are, what you represent, and what your values are, right? And so, um, I, you know, it's, it's something that I don't take lightly. Um, I firmly believe that I am a steward. Um, and... You know, it's it's what you do with that platform and that privilege um, where you can have impact. And so that's something that I'm incredibly excited about, Um, you know, besides having the opportunity to work with your, you know, childhood idol, like my God, like I grew up in Chicago and you know, for, <laughs> yeah, Michael you know, Jordan. Yeah, you, 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 you can, you can, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, me? yeah, you know, yeah. like you, like buzzer. Yeah. Are you for real? You well, know? Me, and so, oh, sorry about yeah. That. Because no, you had that that um, your initial one right was our I think was the last or excuse me uh, the one a couple weeks ago you had Gretzky and Jordan on that one right yeah Gretzky Jordan Mahomes uh, Naomi Osaka uh, D Hop McCaffrey um, Lamelo D Book yeah J Cole um, so mm-hmm. uh, we we uh, man it, it's it's still surreal. To be quite honest. Um, <laughs> well, can I ask you, did you, you know, when you, when, when that went through and it was confirmed, was it a, uh, was it just a solid like Tiger Woods fist pump or did you just, you know, what, what was, what was that? What was your reaction when everything cleared? I, I sat down by myself and I prayed. 
That's amazing. Yeah, and, and, and thank the good Lord above um, because um, you know what re really resonated with me when Giannis won that ship and he just, in the midst of all the celebration, he went to the bench by himself Yep. Yeah. and he just sat there mm -hmm. and you, you can see the tears that are just coming down his face. And that just resonated me so with me so much because mm -hmm. we don't do it enough where we take a moment of pause mm -hmm. and just appreciate the moment. And, and also I think it's so important just give credit to others, you know, mm -hmm. and for me, my faith is important. So I give credit to God because I've been given this platform, you know, this opportunity to do this. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, and gratitude is, is learned, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, you know, and it's, I'm always impressed by people at the moment of elatement and joy when people just humbly just get on their knees and pray, mm -hmm. like, like I've, I'm a firm believer that those folks, the blessings keep coming, right? Yeah. Because you know where you're, you know, you know where your, you know, blessings are coming from. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was just, I, I still can't believe it mm -hmm. to be quite honest, two and a half weeks later, it's still surreal. All mm -hmm. this seems like a dream. Um, and so, yeah, again, like, as I said before, it's started here with nine bags and a few hundred bucks. And my parents moved to this country when I was three. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, right. yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, can, it's I, about. can I ask you about that? You, you put out a tweet about that, about, um, mm -hmm. and I assumed you were kind of watching Giannis to your point. He wins the championship. Uh, you put out a tweet about uh, kind of being uh, of immigrant status, right? And like not and being able, not being able to sometimes celebrate some of those wins with your entire yeah. family. Um, what did it mean to kind of see him do that? And obviously, some of the all the success you've had, not even lately, just without your your whole career going to Cornell, Columbia. Um, you know, can you kind of take us through that tweet and what you're you know kind of referencing? Yeah, that? yeah. I mean, it's it was two dimensional uh, on that. One is just like you see these, you see immigrants or product of immigrants just excelling, mm -hmm. right? Shohei Otani, Colin Morikawa, Naomi, yeah. Naomi, you know. Um, you know, Naomi, it's just, it, it's, it's incredible just to see, um, the next generation of athletes and just, just achieve at such a high level. Um, but I also just, uh, and not to be incredibly personal, but my grandmother passed away last week oh, and, sorry. and I was talking, yeah, thank you. And I was talking about also just the difficulties of not being able to go home, you know, mm there's a two week quarantine. I would have missed her wake in our funeral. And that guilt, as much as my parents will say, do not be guilty because you're here. You know, mm -hmm. I am the now, you know, my sister has a family here, you know, and she has a family here and it's me and my wife here. Um, there's a tremendous amount of guilt that we hold for being so far away from our family mm -hmm. and not being there when moments that matter for our family. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that tweet also talked about just that emotional baggage that we all carry mm -hmm. um, that, you know, at times I'm like, man, I wish I was closer to my mom and dad. Like, is what I'm doing that important that warrants mm -hmm. me to be away and not being there for my parents when they need me? And mm -hmm. so um, and so I, I sent that out. And, and you know what? That's you know, what is very encouraging is that when you find other people who feel the exact way, the same way as you do. Right. right. And more importantly, if you can be a source of comfort and encouragement to others, right. Right. Who 
may have not seen the level of success that they, you know, that you have seen, but you can be that, you know, extra layer of comfort where they feel like, ah, okay, I'm not the only person that feels this way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Even throughout this, you know, last few months of the string of Asian hate, you know, I thought that it was very important for me to speak up on that because Mm -hmm. I've had numerous younger Asian Americans reach out to me saying, man, that happens to you too. I'm like, yeah, I look exactly like you. So no wonder if I like forget me going to good schools or having good jobs or starting a company. Like if I'm walking down the street, I'm exactly as you, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and and I also know that it's my struggle. It is a fraction of what Black Americans, you know, uh, you know, go through. You know, where the exact same way. It doesn't matter how educated you are or how accomplished you are. You know, when you're walking down the street for YouTube, you're just another black man that's walking down the street, right? And so that really hits home. And sometimes it's an isolating feeling, right? right. Because you feel like you're the only one that feels that way, yeah. right? But if if we use our platforms to say, hey, I feel it too, yeah, you know, it, it becomes a source of comfort. Well, if it's okay for me to say, I I, I, I yeah. would I would hope, you know, I believe that you're, you're you know, being under a religious background myself mm-hmm. um, with your grandmother looking down and the way that you had yeah. your company structured and the opportunities that are rooted inside of your company. I mean, that, that would make, um, you know, hopefully, you know, your grandmother very proud and uh, as well as, Thank as, you. as well as your family. Cause I, I, I love everything that you have for your drivers and initiatives within the company, but also yes, on the back end, you have a very revolutionizing technology um, that you. can, that can change the world and how people access sports. And um, I think that's, that's, a, it's an amazing, uh, concept that's coming to fruition. So, uh, that's, I, I like, I love buzzer. Like I said, it's on my, it's on my big brain, uh, uh, my, my big bank, big brain think tank, think board. Um, and so I think there's, if there's one thing for the listeners to know, not only are, if you, if you're using buzzer, um, not only are your, you know, your, your, your micropayments and what you're getting access to, giving you that that access to sports and moments but it also in the back end is fueling things for opportunities for a lot of uh people of color um that are trying to to make this break into the world like everyone is trying to make their mark and uh i know i'm not going to miss a moment thank you thank you yeah i mean uh, we are uh launching the ga product uh and opening it up uh mm-hmm. in october uh mm-hmm. so you'll see some cool features and a, and a new product uh, revamped uh, coming soon mm-hmm. uh, to a phone near you. So uh, please anticipate that. But uh, thank you both for um, just a meaningful discussion and the platform to just kind of share my personal story and journey. And so I appreciate you both. Oh, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you so much. It was, uh, it was, it was powerful. It was, it was amazing to, to kind of sit here and talk with you. So really appreciate the time today. Absolutely. Thank you both. Again, many thanks to Bohan of Buzzer for coming on. Just uh, an incredible background, incredible story, um, amazing things that they are they are trying to do to to really kind of grow right a, a, an amazing sports ecosystem. So again, shout out to Bo. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's an amazing time, kind of talking with him there. We'll jump into one story since we did the interview this week. Um, it's around Hawkeye, actually, and it's, I'm interested. Obviously, there's so much going on with the NFL right now. We've always, I mean, NFL replay is. I think basketball replay is probably the worst, for being honest, right? Because it takes so long. 
But the NFL felt like they needed to enhance and streamline its, its instant replay process. Um, so they have partnered with Hawkeye Innovations to aid officials and hopefully shave some of those seconds off of delays that we're seeing. It's There's nothing worse than when you're watching Red Zone and then it's like a two-minute delay because they have to like check check a call or something like that. So mm-hmm. the changes, um, the, I believe, are coming down uh, or instituting the Hawkeye state-of-the-art replay system that will allow the NFL to process live video in real time and sync up various camera angles seamlessly. Um, I believe this came on the heels of team owners approving expanded duties of replay officials to help with clear, obvious, and objective aspects of play for game administration processes. Um, Taylor, what do you think about this one? About time. About time. That's all I can say. About time. Because the most frustrating thing when it comes to every NFL game, it's always, you feel like the fans have more common sense on a lot of decisions and you're like, well, we can clearly see it. You know, if you put that angle with the other angle and you can timestamp it and roll through slow, you can see that his foot was in bounds because it's like, oh, you can't see it because it was blurred out. So the ruling on the field stands. It's not confirmed. So now you're going to have more hopefully confirmed. And if you don't understand that for the lingo of the NFL, if uh, a call is made saying a player is out of bounds and then they go to review and then they say the play stands, there wasn't conclusive enough evidence to overturn the call on the field. So the call on the field stands. But when they say the call on the field is confirmed, that means the video angles and the evidence uh, from the, the, the video replay shows that the call in the field is confirmed or reversed in whichever way, but in that confirmation. So what Hawkeye uh, looks to achieve, it provides TV match officials with every angle of an incident, allowing for complete control of all broadcast feeds and enabling decisions to be made quickly and accurately either on or off site. So hopefully, you know, there's no more debacles or Twitter debates between obviously the PhD group in Twitter doesn't every game doesn't matter where, where it is, but for some reason you have all of us all of a sudden everyone has a sports PhD um, when it comes to being a rule official. It'd be cool if they could go back and use our technology and decide if Des Bryant caught that ball. That changes that changes so many things there. Changed his mm-hmm. career, Tony Romo's career. Just a crazy time there. It does. It changes that whole um, that whole organization. I mean, Tony Romo would probably still be playing because they were going to win a Super Bowl. They had that team. They had they were rolling. You just had to get out of Lambo, which they should have. But it, it, it this is technology. Obviously, you know, if you can go back in time, get in the DeLorean, and and bring this tech back, then you know that would be amazing. But you can't. So you gotta you can't live in the past. Uh, but uh, it's funny you said that Des Bryant in that in that call he actually put up his sneakers or tennis shoes sorry not sneakers but cleats on twitter saying that these were these will forever be known as you know a a catch in these in these cleats so the this this is game changing technology um it's been out there obviously but now having that partnership and bringing that to um, i guess america's new pastime can we call it that no disrespect to baseball but you know absolutely absolutely america's pastime um, it owns a day of the week, like they said in the movie Concussion. So, yeah, the NFL needed this, and hopefully, this will now provide um, you know greater empowerment for the refs that are on the field, and obviously bring some sanity to the fans in the stands that can clearly see what is going on, and that the call should go this way and not the other way that it normally has happened. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, how this all shakes out. I mean, Hawkeye is um, used all around the world. So many um, different leagues and organizations have already adopted them. They started out in 2001 with their ball tracking and have just advanced from there. I believe MLB actually um, started using them from a replay perspective. Uh, not not getting down that because I know some of, there's been some controversies there. But I'm excited to see um, – what this does, hopefully, again, it just speeds up the process, gives us better angles, gives us better um, better access to the technology that's out there of, of helping streamline some of these NFL games. So quickly, we'll hit a few um, funding rounds here. The first one is League Apps. Um, so League Apps is a operate operating system for U sports organizations. They just announced a $15 million Series B funding round. A um, couple investors were Contour Venture Partners, uh, which actually led the financing round, uh, as well as Elysian Park Ventures, which is the private investment arm of the ownership group, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, this financing round takes them uh, to $35 million for total funding since their inception in 2010. Uh, the next is OpenSea. So OpenSea is the largest digital marketplace for crypto collectibles and NFTs. It sells NFTs, which are, which are uniquely identifiable digital items that can be authenticated through blockchain. Uh, I should say through the blockchain, I guess. Uh, but they just raised $100 million uh, and are now valued at $1.5 billion. Next is City Row. Um, so we, I, I felt like at, at one point when we were doing this podcast, every time we were doing our funding rounds at the end of the show, it felt like we were doing Connected Startups. Uh, so bringing another one back here, we haven't talked to Connected Startups here uh, probably in a month or so, but um, City Row was founded in New York. They launched a digital platform in 2018 um, as they were kind of like transforming everything. Um but essentially, it is a in-person rowing studio. Um, so they just announced a $12 million Series A round, which was led by JW Asset Management. And the last, I think this is cool. There's no funding tied to it, but I did want to shout out a uh, new company that uh, started by some former players out there, um, Richard Sherman being one of them, uh, which is called the Players Company. And the Players Company connects athletes to financial advisors and investment opportunities. The company currently partners with Excel Partners, Sequoia, uh, GC, Lightspeed, TRG, and the Admiral, the Admiral, Admiral <laughs> Capital Group. Uh, its membership of roughly 200 athletes is currently around 85% of the of, uh, NFL players, which is looking to get into a cycle of recruitment during each league's offseason. So, so I think this is super cool. Uh, anytime you can kind of highlight uh, ways of access, right, to making sure that your investments are secure and everything that you're trying to do uh, with your money for athletes uh, is always something that we want to highlight on this podcast. So shout out to the players' company. So that rounds out our funding rounds for the week. Again, um, major shout out to Bohan for jumping on um, and joining us this week. You can find me at Mac. You can find Taylor at TaylorMac29. Continue to rate, subscribe, and listen. And we'll see you on the next edition of Sports Tech Atlanta Sea Talk.